All right, we good? Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's do yeah. it up. Yes. 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 took her big brown beaver she stuck him up in the air said i sure do love this big brown beaver and wish i had a pair we are hottest 100s and thousands and we have taken control of your radio station and i'm here to talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young i'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again mr andrew mcdonald thank you david Mr. Nathan Harrison and Mr. Adam Buncher. Thank you, David. (laughs) Most welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I think my normal speaking voice is lower than that. I don't know what that was. (laughs) 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 I I, I try and drop your voice and it goes higher. Sound like Kermit's father. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Kermit. (laughs) Mr. Frog. The Frog. Mr. The Frog's my dad. Mr. The Frog. <laughs> Please, Mr. the Frog was my father. What, what do they call you? Um, the tea lizard? They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. the tea lizard was my father. <laughs> That's none of my business. <laughs> got so dank so quick. Oh my god. Well, on that note, it is time to, to hit the music and it's time to light the lights. We are here in the top 40 and the hits just keep coming. Yeah. We really, really do. This is a tight, tight app. Oh my yeah. lord. We got to, we got some fun to be had. So uh, I would like everyone to, to raise their slap bass thumbs in appreciation as we move into number 40. This is Primus with Winona's well, Big Brown Baby. I like the two of us raised our thumbs. This is like not a visual video. <laughs> <laughs> But also, like, we just gave the thumbs up. with Winona's big brown beaver. 
Adam. Mm. I could say so many you suggestive really things. I really, really could, oh, but like a kid in some kind of store. Yes, yeah, a fat kid in a candy store. That that's your boy right there. Well, pick out one, and Ooh. it's your treat. Well, you you stroke your big brown beaver all the time. Thank you. What do you think of this song? Uh, <laughs> this is going to come as a massive shock. Uh, cons- <gasps> you've never <laughs> Not heard, yet. You've never heard Primus. I hadn't heard. Well, I mean, I've watched South Park. Yeah, that's, ah. that's pretty much the only time that I had heard Primus. They did that's, the, but that's probably the case for a lot of people. Yeah, Primus are the I band guess. that, if you didn't know Primus, they are the band that did the theme for South Park, um, which they're credited for. Um, yep. And I knew that growing up, and I think. Based on just that, and also I think they had a track on the Chef Aid album as well, Probably. but it wasn't sure particularly did. indicative yeah. of yeah. their sound. Although as a kid, I did have the Chef Aid album, so I've heard that Primus as well. Same here, some great tracks on the Chef Aid album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. The, the shock uh, is that... that will be coming up in the history of the hottest 100. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> great. Yeah, fictional characters even get in this fucking countdown. We got a lot to work through. <laughs> It's a wild world. It really is. Oh, baby, baby. So the thing that might shock you is that given that I am such a fan of the late, great Jeff Buckley, I'm generally more of a fan of earnest music (laughs) (laughs) than I am silly music. (laughs) And so... I'd always kind of pigeonholed Primus as that they are just a silly band. We don't want any of that. We want the emotions. We, there's no feels to be had over there. <laughs> I mean, where is the lie, though, to be fair? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think between Primus and Jeff Buckley, there's a pretty big line. It's somewhere in the middle. Some might even say that there's an ocean between <laughs> them. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> just, just once. Just, just once. <laughs> It hurts me. Uh, Adam's just so salty. Who said you were on my side? I don't know. You're one of the good ones. You're like I the know, good I boy. I know, but I saw it and I couldn't resist. <laughs> okay. okay, it's too much for man to bear. Yeah. So I'd always kind of written Primus off, basically. So coming in to listen to this track, I was genuinely surprised with how much fun I had with it. Yeah, it's silly, but it's rooted down and weighed down with some just amazing instrumentation. Like that's, that's they, the thing; they are impeccable musicians. Oh Obviously, Les Claypool is one of the greatest bass players behemoth. ever. Yeah, um, but the whole band is so so tight and so on point. The first thing that caught my um, ear initially was just the the roll and the double kick that just adds a little bit more complication and a little bit more kind of texture to the drumming. And the, and then I was like, oh, no, actually, the drumming is incredible. No, actually, like. The way that they jam out the song and the way that they just kind of, well, yeah, just like jam, like riff on the idea. Yeah, the guitar and, licks are tight as well. Oh, man. Right? It just, and it just is just a really fun, energetic, undeniably kind of seductively energetic song to be in the presence of. You just rock out to it without even like trying to. It, it, it gets you on side. Um, and yeah, like. It's it's got a bit of silliness in there, but I, considering how much it rocks, like it, I don't find that off-putting. Even an earnest guy like me can find something <laughs> to like in this kind of silliness. And I actually, I actually think that the 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 stylistic fusion between bluegrass and funk, even though that's so like in, in inverted commas weird and like wacky yeah. or whatever, it actually sounds really good. And the um, that country kind of kind of is really catchy like it's, it's such a like if you if you told someone there would be this weird alt metal country funk band you you get a pretty bad idea of that in your head but they nail it 
yeah. in such an incredible way that only they can. And like, I, I love that the, um, several critics have come through and they both basically said the same thing. They've said, like, yeah, it's like Rush meets Frank Zappa. And then some other critics are like, yeah, it's like fucking Rush meets Frank Zappa. <laughs> and it's just like they don't change the wording at all. Yeah. But, I mean, and I think that's a beautiful place for a band to sit. You know, two people will love and hate this song for the exact same reasons. And all the things that it's characterized as, um, like alternative rock, alternative metal, experimental rock, funk metal, progressive rock, thrash funk. <laughs> Les Claypool called it psychedelic poker. Like, I think at one point, I can't remember who it was, maybe even like NME or whatever, just tried to coin it as prankster and like they tried mm. to start something there. Mm. Um, See, it's really funny that like on that, like music critics are generally people that name genres, like when they're emergent genres, right? Like, so like, they have to. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's part of their job. It's their job. Yeah. And sometimes used like as a derivative thing and then was adapted kind of thing like that. Like, yeah. Shoegaze Shoe originally gaze. a burn on the bands, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. And, then, and then the bands didn't like that. And I guess like less, like I guess the first person to coin um, post rock. And post punk as well, I guess. Um, you reckon like, that was a no, 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 no. That's no, probably just more just like oh. it wasn't derisive. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, Susie and the Beast. But again, a lot of and, and it happens with a lot of like sort of sub genres or whatever. The bands kind of don't really like being pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of post rock bands are like, oh, we don't consider ourselves to be post rock. Yeah, it's we were like trying. That's... We were trying to do something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. just but of, it's funny yeah. seeing like a band, like a genre, <laughs> try it not really happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, and I guess that's probably because not no one really does what Primus do. Like. As well as Primus do, at least. Like, it's, it's very hard to yeah. do. Right? Uh, like, like this, like, I, I have like a weird relationship with Primus. I'm pretty familiar with most of their albums, um, and even a bunch of Les Claypool's other yeah, right. projects. Okay. Um, yeah. I went through a bit of a phase with them in uni, but like, I do think that at their worst, they screech of like manufactured weirdness. Yeah. And like, as much as having said that, though, this is a terrific song, obviously. Everything about this works spectacularly well. The album this is from is um, really, really great as well. Let's, yeah, it's just. Primus doing what they do perfectly as them. Like everything you said is totally true. Yeah. There's not a thing about this that doesn't work. Mm. Like, even though, like, on paper, I was going to talk, say, talking about a beaver is like the least funny thing in the entire world. But, like, there's, there's no real moment in there where it's like obvious they're talking about a vagina, but, like, oh, it, I mean, like, it, it, it is obvious. I think the yeah. song kind of hinges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. It hinges on, on the that, reference, yeah. but it never, it never kind of, I don't know, like, there's never a line about like putting a dick in a beaver. I don't or know, like stroking that. a beaver every day. Like, yeah. I think it's. I, I think they they well, indulge it. They do. Enough, yeah, like. but it's. But I. I don't know. I feel like it's not oversold. I. I, I don't know. Like, sure. as as I agree with you, man. On paper, like when I saw the name of the band and I saw the name of the song, <laughs> I was like, here we. Go. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know. Um, Bit of a story behind it in terms of which Winona they were referring well, to. Well, it's not spelt the same as Winona Ryder. No, many people thought it was about Winona Ryder. It wasn't. Claypool in an interview said like, huh, I'm surprised no one picked up that maybe it could have been about Winona Judd considering it's spelt the same way and it's got a country influence. And everyone kind of took that as like, a, oh, so is it? written about her and he didn't confirm or deny but she got mad about that and at the time she was going out with the vocalist from Soul Asylum friends of the show (laughs) the very same Um, and he um, took offence himself and (laughs) named one of his songs Les Claypool's A Big Fucking Asshole Really? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a that's a true. Yeah. Oh my uh, god, that's that's great. incredible. Yeah, 
Deja, you a promise, man? I can be from time to time. Before I before I say anything, though, I just want to say, in no other discussion about Primus would fucking shoegaze and post rock come up. That is and the most solar silence. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most us discussion that could possibly be had. I was sitting there just like, how the fuck are they going to bring this one around? Just and like, just to go back to Tism for a second. I'm on the drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 especially in relation to hip hop. I mean, all right, okay. I um. I've been very good with that recently. I, know, I, know. I, don't, I haven't I, mentioned hip hop out of like out of context. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to oversell next week's episode, but I do bring up Bordeaux's concert of the Simulacrum while talking yeah. about a particular grunge song. Yes. <laughs> do you actually? God, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, baby. I'm such a Baudrillard stan. We are so on brand right now. It is killing me. But you, you, David, I, I want to hear your thoughts on Primus. Do you? Yes. Are you please. sure? Please. Sivu play. Well, I think Primus are the shit. Uh, I, I am one of the many who will uh, chant along Primus sucks at their shows because that is what they request that people do. And it's especially confusing at festivals because <laughs> like, all the people in the front row be going Primus sucks Primus sucks and everyone will be like what the fuck are those weirdos up to it's a real good um, older new friends or rom fan thing as well yes um, yeah. yeah friends or friends or sucks was a big thing and it's not such a big thing anymore but yeah. Yeah, cool. right. Yeah, I, I young guy tried to beat me up when I was trying to say that a gig a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why'd you fucking call me then, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Dude, okay, mate. Yeah. Fucking new jacks. Yeah, I just came for You, you would have loved when they got Neil Hamburger to support. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that regardless. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I worship the ground that motherfucker walks on. Yeah. I dare say promise and Neil Hamburger have a fair amount of fan crossover yeah, as well. No, yeah. I'd say I so. That. I'd say that would work. I'd say it would definitely work. I've seen Promise twice and oh, both really? times were hella fun um they are ridiculous to watch live like they are ridiculously tight people just have so much fun at their shows you know like they're really really entertaining as a live prospect um this song obviously is just jams for days it really lends into that ridiculous bass styling no one else plays like claypool like he just has such a strange style and the fact that he plays it like a lead guitar whereas the actual guitar in the band kind of feels secondary so many times like when you think of the most famous Primus songs like you know it's all about like the bass bits and stuff like that like the guitar parts are there but it's just like that's not what you remember it for which is such a weird kind of invert and shift in dynamics I, I've always been kind of drawn to uh, their oddness and, you know, the kind of the the fun that they have with their music. And uh, I, I appreciate the fact that they're still out there terrorizing fucking festivals around the world. Uh, and actually recently, uh, Les Claypool has been uh, busy with a different project. Here's a weird one. I don't know if any of you have heard this. Uh, he put out a record a couple of months ago uh, under the name The Claypool Lennon Delirium, which was him and Sean Lennon. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, as in John Lennon's kid. So they made an album together. He had the song, the Saltwater. No, that's the Julian stif- Lennon. Oh, right, right. Julian <laughs> Lennon is jo- is Sean Lennon's half brother. Right. right. So John Lennon had two kids. Uh, Julian Lennon was the one that he had with his first wife, Cynthia, and uh, Sean is the kid that he had with Yoko Ono. Right. So right. he had two kids. Both okay. musicians. Yes, both musicians. Uh, Sean Lennon kind of went in a much more kind of psychedelic, trippy old folk kind of direction. Sergeant uh, Peppers. Yeah. 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 Very much <laughs> the Sergeant Peppers. Um, 
And uh, he put out a, an incredible album, one of my actual like favourite records of all time called Into the Sun back in 1998. All time? Which, yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> I remember when record. you used to be trying to keep tabs on this, Adam. Yeah. Well, that's why I was yeah, just, yeah. my ears pricked yeah. off. <laughs> it's, it's in the database now. It's in the yeah. database. But if you haven't heard it, I seriously recommend it. It is underrated as fuck. Cool. Like, uh, you know, like, because it's not fucking Imagine or whatever. It doesn't get kind of treated with any respect. Actually, like, most like sons of or like kids of famous musicians usually don't get any it's yeah. tough yeah it's so tough but you know um, what i feel like liam uh liam, liam finn is finn. a good exception to that yes. I've, I've as, as is jeff fucking amazing record well yeah, yes. total, exce- total exception to that rule yeah. <laughs> yeah oh and um uh wallflowers one headlight is one of the fucking best songs of the 90s i think that is a jam jacob dylan is oh, the right. singer mm. of the wallflowers yeah right who Dad is up. Uh, oh, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of another Dylan to yeah. throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I thought like D-I-L-L-O-N. Dylan Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dylan Thomas. <laughs> Wait, what? Just why would he him. take his dad's first <laughs> <laughs> as his surname? Yeah. I really like telling people that I'm named after Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's no. <laughs> right. It's a lot of fun. Well, you're George Harrison's kid, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, there we go. <laughs> and just he was such a big Star Wars fan. And my right? dad's Neil Young, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry, there aren't any famous bunches. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You will, you will know my name. <laughs> <laughs> the other um, on with when you said about Claypool's bass playing. Yeah, uh, one you, not in this song, but um, his the stand up of the Whamola bass that he plays. Oh, which dude. I just adore the sound of. It's, it's like a fucking crazy. Yeah, kind of like a bathtub bass, like a one string one that he belts with a, a drumstick. Like, oh. and just tunes it as he plays, he plays with his yeah, one finger. Cool. It's an absolute delight to hear and yeah, sweet. see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He plays that on a bunch of um, his post Primus band, The Flying Frog Brigade, who have a couple yeah. of albums out, which are yeah. a bit of fun. He's yeah. got a couple of really weird little solo records yeah. as well, which have got some very interesting tracks. Uh, in 2008, uh, he put out a song called Red State Girl. Uh, which is uh, about Republicans falling in love with one another, and it's really dark and creepy <laughs> about a guy jerking off to a photo of Sarah Palin and stuff oh. like that. You know, 2008 yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before we move on, I just like I have a, like a little axe to grind, which I, it's been such a nice chat, but I, I don't know. Like we're picking that up. Uh, picking that up. Yeah. <laughs> so we- what it sounds like. <laughs> Talking about misogyny in pop music is frustrating and like tiresome and probably ultimately pointless because it's everywhere and it's pervasive and it's you know representation to mm-hmm. to lyrics to like everything like you know yeah and this song is not the hill to die on for that argument and I'm well aware of that but, <laughs> but, but someone's gonna die <laughs> yeah so, look I'm gonna injure myself on the hill but it just like it bugs me to no end that so much of this song which is a great song is traded on the double entendre of Beaver. And it's just like, and again, like I'm, I'm not saying that this is a like boycott and no, boycotting no, no. things because they're sexist is dumb, but it just irks me, and I see it as pretty like representative of a big '90s cult, like countercultural attitude that was very, very male driven and yeah. exclusion, exclusionary to women. Sure. And this song, like, it's not, it's far from the worst proponent of that. It's yeah. like, it's not the biggest offender, but it's just like, it's like, it's a real big 90s thing. And talking about, you know, shows like South Park and Beavis and Butthead that Promise also contributed music to, like that whole thing. It's just, it's such a big 90s thing. And if you're trying to be countercultural, but you're being sexist, you're not being countercultural. You're yeah. being very, very pro-cultural. Like, that's the mainstream. Like, 
yeah. yeah. People who think that they're being completely radical but are still being sexist is like, no. As I said, when I saw it on paper, I saw the name of it. I was like, yeah. I know exactly what you're going to do and you did it. And it's only because the rest of the song was like, the instrumentation was so enjoyable. Yeah, that's- And because honestly, like, it's so easy to not pay attention to lyrics. Because he, he kind of mumbles his way halfway through it. That's true. I mean, I was watching and the video as well, which is like, a, it's like a lyric video. Sure. So, like, I was paying a lot. But yeah, yeah again, like, no, I, I just and I don't mean to shit on the song too much, yeah. but it's just that. That's worth saying. It's always like, worth saying. When, when I see the title, that's what jumps out at me, and it's it's frustrating. And No, that is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Boycott Primus. No, no. <laughs> like, that's. Oh, it's just like all the. And, but then the flip side is when people are like. Saying that it's like, oh no, like the the sexism in hip hop is just to be really like countercultural and stuff. It's like, no, no, no. that's like, that's have, have you seen the world? <laughs> like, you're pretty much just playing into like some pretty institutionalized sexism there yeah. and thinking that you're being edgy. The that's- sexism in hip hop came about because, oh wait, no, I was being good with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I've said my piece. Later. It's yeah. still a great song. Yeah. Um, I hope that I haven't, you know, been no, too much know. of that guy. But nah, yeah, it's cool. I've been irked to MRA listeners. Yeah. Oh, God, please. I hope I have. I really <laughs> yeah, yeah, come at us. It's, it's not the hill to die You've on. You've lost a uh, listener, guys. <laughs> Good day, sir. If you're an MRA dude, please stop listening. <laughs> like, <laughs> tip. Un- tip. Unless listening to this gives you, like, a lack of joy. Like, <laughs> stop doing the things that you like. <laughs> please. She's back. At number 39, it's Alanis Morissette with Yeah, 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 I Don't Know. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me. Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you? Does she speak eloquently? And would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Cause the love that you gave that we made wasn't able to make it enough for you to be open wide. No. And every time you speak her name, does she know how you told me it Till you die. Alanis Morissette back once again at number 39 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with a song called You Order No. Here we are in one of the most bizarre moments in the history of the Hottest 100. Triple J did not play a second of this record, Mm. but the power, the power of Jagged Little Pill was so, so prevalent that they were just like, yeah, we're voting for these songs anyway. We're scribbling this shit down on our postal votes and there ain't dickity shit that you can do about it. We just style. 
Yeah, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> the equal, or, or the YouTube, equal, yeah, the or equal power. Vertigo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the most the, recent example. The equal power of such classic songs as you ought to know at Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know. Maybe history will shine a light on where this is debut record. Well, Alanis doesn't know who I am, and she certainly doesn't give a damn about me, so. <laughs> but that's okay, because I love you, Alanis. You are one of the fucking most important women of the 90s, and this album is entirely the reason why. Uh, I love this song. I, like, obviously, like, uh, we've talked about all the songs of this record and how fucking great they are, but there is just something so all encompassing and just fucking. Just tear the fucking house apart. Anger and fucking cathartic rage. It's like a scorched fucking earth when she hits that fucking chorus. I just get swept up in the moment whenever this is on. Like, not even in an ironic way. It, it, sometimes it was just like, ha, oh, yeah, you know. You know how, like, women are angry sometimes when they break up with their boyfriends? Sometimes it's like, Fuck you, dude! Fucking yeah! This shit comes on at like karaoke or whatever. I'll be fucking wagging that fucking index finger until the fucker falls off, you know? It's just. Oh. This it's, is a high risk, high reward karaoke. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. true mark of appreciation yeah. for a song. So you see a dude with no fingers, like, man, he must love music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah! But, you know, the, fi- the, the finger's gone, it just looks like I'm, I'm throwing my fist in the air yeah. anyway. So, like, you know, you get full, skinny full fists guns about, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, yeah, there's not much that I can say about this that hasn't already been said. It's just one of the ultimate, you know, fuck you songs uh, in the history of pop music. Uh, you know, up there with fuck you uh, by CeeLo Green. So, weird transition, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, there's obviously so much love about this song, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. When you said it with the anger, and also I think with the lyrics, how honest... Everything yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, there's, there's so many individual parts love about it, but would she go down on you in the theater? Yeah, and then like later on, do you think yeah, of me yeah. when you fuck her? But it's that's, just like, yes, man, that's the fucking best. That's yeah, the thing, raw. and kind of like going back to what I was just saying about Primus, like, this is like a pop song in the 90s. Women aren't allowed to be explicit and angry like yeah, that. Yeah. This is huge. Mm. Like, yeah. Alanis isn't the first person to do it, but she's like easily one of the best. Yeah. Anybody who's been through, like, not even, like, a bad breakup, not even, like... Because it's so, so explicitly about something that's happened to her. That, like, if you're ever in, like, a bad mood in a relationship or you've had some some shitty thing happen to you in regards to that, just, like, everything about it is just like, yeah, fucking A, man. I get you all on us. Yeah. They ought to have known. It's just... <laughs> it's just... It is... I, I ought to have known. Yeah. Like, so much of Morissette's work, like, it's kind of been overplayed or memed up kind of thing like that but like this song more than any of hers at least for me escapes that really wonderfully it's just a fucking delight to listen to and to yell along to and yeah. I will not not love it ever it's and, and I, I think like every other song that we listen to from Jagged Little Pearl we get another facet of character yeah. Yeah. but they just cohere yeah. so well into her identity of an artist and this is totally like the the linchpin of, of that yeah, it does all come out sweet, fantastically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was Jag- saying, jagged. I think not. <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying, smooth before, little pill. <laughs> should, should have called it elegant, <laughs> elegant little pill. And I was saying earlier, like uh, the persona partly that she's courting is this idea of the unreasonable woman as like you know, like in, in inverted commas again, with the, in brackets, like, so fucking what? Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is the furthest aggressive extent of that. It works for that incredibly well, as you said. Obviously, everyone will remember the, the chorus for her voice as being a powerhouse, but I love her, like, 
her mega thick accent on the verses, just like kind of talking yeah. her way through it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah almost, almost like this. You could you could take out all the vowels, and it would. It sounds like yeah. Had to bug you in yeah. the middle of dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, it, yeah, there we are. Like the drumming on this is really cool as well. Like the super subtle jazz brushes into the yeah. the instrumentation the band in general kills it. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, um, yeah, that kind of shimmering guitar in parts. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that doing? guitar actually kind of, the tone kind of reminds me a bit of um how soon is now. You're totally yeah, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. Mr. Dave Navarro. Is that who it is? It's Dave Navarro oh. and Flea. That's they, why it kicks so much ass. There you go. No way. Yeah, huh. it's Dave Navarro and Flea. Huh. What do we have known? That's why I like because I remember listening back to this a little while ago, just incidentally when it came on the radio, and, and being hit by the bassline for like noticing it for the first time. Mm. Like I've obviously heard this song countless times before that, but hang on, this is, the bass in this is is amazing. And then wow. someone was like, "Yeah, dude, it's Flea," and it's like, "Oh, there you go, yeah." So mm. there you are. Wow. It's a pretty remarkable like. Uh arrangement of people that she had playing with her. A fact I love about this is even though it became an international worldwide success and it topped charts everywhere, it wasn't that big in Canada. It only got up to like number 20 and whatever because oh. Canada had previously known Alanis Morissette yeah. as this teen pop star and they couldn't deal. <laughs> they were just kind of like, oh no. And it's just, they were not happy that she went this direction that's and that she beautiful. was this aggressive and that she was swearing and talking about blowies in wow. cinema. Oh, that's not but very nice. Like, all, all of <laughs> that you know, oh, oh gee oh gee oh, oh gee oh gosh all of oh, that golly. angst and, and explicit content and stuff that's just been like you know the exclusive property of of male musicians over the last few like you look at all the grunge stuff with ex- mm. a few exceptions like hole but then she just she takes it all and she brings it into the pop world it's huge mm. it's so sick and it's odd that triple didn't play any of it i know it was a mainstream success mm. but this is like a rock song yeah like it fits so well. And this, so, I mean, this fits on Triple J better than a lot of other songs we've talked about. Yeah, in this yeah. yeah like if we didn't know that they didn't actually play Alanis Morissette, we would have been like, yeah. oh, yeah, they as probably would have played Alanis Morissette. Yeah, like if, yeah, if we didn't know and someone said there are a few songs in this countdown that were not played, wouldn't think about this twice. No. We'd be looking at Chuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Techno head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what struck me as well when I listened to this is that, like, I feel like this should be a lot more songs, or there should have, maybe is a better way to put it, been a lot more songs written from this point of view with the same amount of venom and the same amount of energy, but perhaps there hasn't been because this song already came out. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like such a, such a thing that you would, that there should be more of. There should be a huge catalogue of this kind of breakup yeah, song. Maybe. But to me, this is like Plato's... <laughs> angry bla- breakup song so much so that I, I can't actually and maybe I'm you know I've just got Adam brain and I'm missing yeah, out on thinking of you know all the other songs oh well, yeah except for that I, yeah. I feel like there should be but I can't think of them and maybe it's because this is so good and it is so iconic and it came in and it did it right the first time that's yeah 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 Gorgy. oh gosh oh gosh Okay. Okay. Bad. <laughs> Sing along at number 38. It's Pulp with Common People. She came from Greece. She has a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that the damp was loaded. I said, my case on the room. Seconds time, she said, I wanna live like common people. 
1995 Hottest 100 with a song called Common People from an album called Different Class as talked about by one Andrew McDonald. Thank you, David. You're um, welcome. I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this is one of my absolute favourite songs ever written. I think this is a singular... Is that, is that in the database, Adam? Are you going to remember his? That's the first time he's used mm. it. Uh, this is That's the first time he said yeah, that. Yeah, I think this is an absolute masterpiece of popular songwriting. This comes from one of my favourite places of creative inspiration, which is like the informed working class, people who are aware of their situation, longing for it to be different, but also cynical enough to know that it probably will not change. Even though as much as this did change for Jarvis Cocker, who's now a multimillionaire. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that at the time when he composed this song, I'm going to look up Jarvis Cocker's net worth. <laughs> no roaches on walls. <laughs> I met a roaches on walls in Jarvis Cocker's apartment yeah. <laughs> villa. Yeah. Um, yeah, this but this song speaks to me on a deeply personal, emotional, and mental level. I, I've known about this song since like I don't know forever. I've always been aware of it, but it never really connected with me until I guess I was at university. It's a perfect time to have these feelings about that kind of thing. Um, like we we're just talking about, like I guess like the masculine presence of pop music in the nineties kind of thing, as you said, Nathan, but this song, I know that it feels like it was written entirely for like young, like working or middle-class educated cynical skinny white dudes called Andrew there's nothing about <laughs> there's nothing about this song that doesn't connect with me I oh, like it's not for me <laughs> right. uh, the groove of it is fantastic every bit of the instrumental composition as the the band pulp at this time were at absolute peak form the whole album of different class is just a masterpiece but this song obviously exemplifies their messages and like just at university I guess you have these feelings about like realizing your position in the world and I guess particularly doing a liberal arts degree feeling like and being consciously aware of class situation and, um, and being aware of people who aren't conscious and, but yeah exactly mm-hmm. the synth of the song works like the bowie-esque new disco groove of it i like five minutes i feel like oh, that's the end of the song but there's still 50 more seconds of song because it just builds and builds forever and like yeah in 2016 the year that this the year of our Lord, 2016. <laughs> this song is 20 years old and it's hard for me to think of a mainstream hit that's so goddamn brilliantly class conscious. Mm. Like, it's so yeah. singular in the history of it. And, like, as a younger man, I, like, listen to the class stuff and I'm like, yeah, man, that fucking sucks. And now, that, like, I'm looking down 
my 30, there's like a depressed older dude. He like, you'll never understand how it feels to live your life with no meaning or control. And I'm just like, fuck, man, Jarvis, you know these fucking things. And like the antagonist of the song, living in trendy inner West Sydney that I do, the antagonist of somebody who is like a class tourist is somebody who I know. Like I know people like that who will eat at charity restaurants but have opinions on craft beer. And like we'll drink young young Henry's long necks outside lentil as anything. Like these are people mm. that are like, and I just it just disgusts me on a visceral level. Even if somehow I'm crack, I win the lottery and I'm a multimillionaire, I will not act like working class because you're not anymore. Mm. Like, and I just yeah, this song is perfect. If people, if people don't like this, that's fine. I, if anybody hates it, that's fine. I don't mind in the slightest because I feel like this was just for me so personally and beautifully there's nothing about this song i don't love i'll listen to it i can listen to it every day before i die and i'll find something new each time to adore beautiful man the thing i find kind of ironic about it is that the song itself is so seductive and weaves such a brilliant narrative and such a brilliant character and states the case and even like the cause and even like you know one voice for the voice of many so strongly that I can't help but wonder how many people who are absolutely not of the working class have been seduced into singing along to this song. Oh, yeah. And that serves as like a very ironic thing that, that absolutely Jarvis had no control over. And, you know, like maybe it only serves to the to, to further prove the point of the song. Yeah, I, I think there's, <laughs> a, there's a cynical indulgence in yeah. that idea of releasing it as a pop song because you know that that's what it's going to be. Yeah. This like, because at this point, I was talking about this a little while ago on Twitter about how it seems to be the case these days that bands crack it big with their first album or two. And that's like the story of the band. Like you don't see many bands these days that release five or six records before they become successful. This, I think different classes pops third or fourth record. They've been doing right. it for a long time. Like they, I didn't they, realize. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it feels like a debut. Like the well, whole album the, does. That's the thing. Yeah. Cause I had like, you three don't or four remember records. this band started when they were like 15 yeah, years yeah, old. In the early eighties. Yeah. And it wasn't, so they've been doing it for like, over a decade and then like yeah. so I can see the, the cynical grind of just being like oh we're in a working band not doing anything and then this just fucking explodes and they like, headline Glastonbury as a last minute replacement <laughs> and take over the world which and, and, and like especially knowing that they they were around long before the Britpop thing yeah. started and kind of got big indirectly because of that it just feeds it into like they, they're so good at being the disaffected yeah. Britpop band like they're clearly much <laughs> less interested in, in everything that goes with that than Oasis and Blur are. Yeah. yeah. You can see it in the video. Like, they're not magazine cover attractive in the same way that Blur and Oasis are. They're not, like, it's not, like, this fun, quirky song. Like, it's, re- it's this song starts really dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, really. and you watch the video, Jarvis, like, he's just, like, he doesn't care. And there's yeah. a kind of Bad lightness. graphics and, and everything. Oh, like the, yeah. The, the loop of people dancing, but, like, in three moves. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, like, he's having fun with it. And there's a real, I love the lightness at the start because it builds so well into the end of, like, that. The, the whole growth of the song is incredible. But it's such a, like, hand-wavy, you know, pass-off kind of start to the song, and it's great. Yeah. You compare that to, like, I'm so glad we get to talk about this so soon after Country House. Mm. Like, that's such a big, punchy song. It's in your face. It wants you on board from the start, whereas this is just like, we're just going to do this song, and by the end of it, like, will everyone will be singing yeah. along with it. It's huge. I think um, when they're recording it, like, they used, like, all 40-something tracks to like Wouldn't in terms of me. laying it like wow. just to get it that big at the end like, oh it's huge and they were just like cool we I have like how big it gets 48 tracks on the desk like let's just put something on all of them to make this as big as it can be <laughs> that's fantastic great. yeah that's totally great it's just it's it's just a phenomenal song it's so it really good. is 
from what I can understand, it was also partly, uh, well, I mean, born out of a real experience that Cocker had. Yeah, um, but, but most songs on the album, I think, are real things. Like Disco 2000 was about an actual friend of his. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like, and there was this weird, apparently, uh, BBC documentary where they tried to find the girl. Bad like, idea. All right, go to bed, BBC. Bad idea. Like, what are you going to do when you go and find her? That's kind of like. So did like, you oh, ever learn kind to of, live? You were kind of a dick in uni. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Groundbreaking. Did you ever see any roaches in the end? Oh, my <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> did the exactly. chip-stained grease come out of the bag? <laughs> <laughs> did you really not understand? Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was a bad idea. But I, but also, like, I think it was, um, according to what Cocker's kind of said, and he's actually mentioned the song, like, and the album Park Life directly in relation. He was, he was kind of sick of Britpop's. <laughs> Thank you, David. He was kind of sick of um, what he called Britpop's idealization of of the working class. Yeah, he, I mean, he talks and, about and there being like the idea of the noble savage, and he's like, "Yeah, cool. I see a lot of savagery, but not a lot of nobility." Yeah, and totally. Like, and like, it, it, like when we talk about Blur and when we talk about OS, it's really important to be placing this in a post Thatcher Britain, where like, yeah, New Labour, yeah, yeah. and and British mm. youth mm. are like having a horrible time, right? Like, and the last, you know. 15 years at this point have just not been a good time for poor people. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just, it's very important. And, and yeah. And so this is, this is a good response to that, but then also, yeah, to songs like park life um, to try and, I guess, I don't know, deepen the narrative. I, I think it's one of the most sing alongable songs. Absolutely. That I've ever heard. Yeah. And we will talk about pop later, I believe. Uh, yeah, we'll Probably. even talk about this song Ooh, yeah, again. Yeah, we will talk about this song again. <laughs> I wonder if that happens again ever. What a weird thing to say. Yeah. Does this make a second appearance next year? No, 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 no. 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 Uh, it makes oh, an right. in yeah. a different with, form. Yeah. With, yeah. That, with, um, the, with the main man, Mr. William Shatner. You'll never live like common people. You'll never do whatever common people do. Indeed. But we'll talk about we'll talk about how great that Call or not Bill. great maybe that song is later. <laughs> but yeah. Because um, Disco 2000 makes an appearance, surely. Mm. I don't know. Is that, is that the same album? Yeah. I love that everyone always looks to me. Because I know. Every <laughs> because you're I'm a music historian, David. I know. I've <laughs> got nothing you are the library of Alexandria. I'm not going to look of, to me. <laughs> One day you will burn down and so much knowledge will be lost. And finally, David, this is a big song for you, too. Yeah, yeah. This is like a mainstay of your of your live circuit. I used to play this song a lot. Yeah. Nice. I've seen it. Yeah, you have. I have. Um, it's been said that country music is three chords and the truth. This con- this song is four chords <laughs> and the truth. So, you know, it's got that going for it, which is nice. That <laughs> <laughs> like, elusive fourth chord. Yeah, exactly. extra chord, more truth. <laughs> one of the one of the easiest, easiest, easiest songs to learn how to play. So yeah, this has been part of my life for just over a decade. Like obviously, I didn't really. I'm a '90s kid, but I'm not that much of a '90s kid. Uh, like I didn't get. I didn't really discover pulp until later on. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, to to take it all the way back, Jarvis Cocker's net worth is five million pounds. Yeah, so oh, yeah that's all right. That's that's very few roaches, if any. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe he keeps. I'm not an roaches. economist, so I don't yeah. know what that graph looks like. But maybe he's got some on his farm or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Rare uh, albino. Yeah, roaches yeah. There, there, there might be like yeah. 
ornamental roaches. Only the roaches you want. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, that would imagine like just like Jarvis Cocker as a rich person gets like really nice ceramic roaches because of common people. Like yeah. as a, oh, no, that, he's not that no, person. No, it's fine. It's fine. All of his purchases are fucking um common people related. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Jarvis Cocker in the supermarket? Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> just walk around with a trolley. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Is that Jarvis at the local chip shop? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I own this chip shop. <laughs> but he's not that person. God, I love you, Jarvis. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love so Jarvis Cocker. Yeah, I love him so yeah. much. The he's a, he's, a, he's yeah. a fucking brilliant, sardonic fucking monster. Yeah, his um, um, solo albums are great Also responsible well. for the greatest moment in Brit Awards history. Yes. Uh, can we talk about this? Can we yes. talk about this? Yes, we can. Please. Do you know what we're about to talk about? Has it got to do with Jeff Buckley? You're looking no, at me, no, like, no, looking at me like you've got to break my heart. It's got to do with another dead hero, Michael Jackson. Harambe? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Unzips. <laughs> but please, Bill yeah, is a terrific part of pulp history. Yeah, uh, so Michael Jackson was on stage doing a song called Earth Song from his uh, greatest hits album, His Story. Underrated song. Yeah. Really uh, like so song. he's doing like this full ballad thing, and he's got like kids up being like a children's choir, and the whole performance is like very messianic and very Christ like and stuff like that. So Jarvis Cocker decides to stage crash and like fuck. <laughs> just dick around on stage before getting fucking dragged Tackled off by, by security. security. And he got fucking... He, he spent the night in prison for it. Yeah. What did he do when he was on stage? Just, just look, look like a fuckwit and just like to make to make light of a situation that like Michael Jackson was being this like... So I get a Christ-like messianic figure and then Jarvis Cocker <laughs> from Pulp rocks up and looks like a fuck knuckle and just like makes the whole thing look like a farce and it's perfect. Also, uh, his, his spot in Fantastic Mr. Fox... Oh, sure. He's Petey. He's Petey. And there's the great moment where he's playing guitar and... What are you singing, Petey? Just just making it up as I, as I went along, really. That's just weak songwriting. You wrote a bad song, Petey. <laughs> and that is a great line. Well, he didn't write a bad song here. We he can say that much. Um, it's just one of those perfectly simple and anthemic songs that can just, you know, it works simultaneously as a, a, a punk spoken word piece as it does <laughs> a, a huge bombastic violin laden pop song. So mm. yeah, like it, it is a perfect fucking creation. I could not uh, speak its praises high enough. Terrific. I yeah. agree with yeah. that too. Yeah, man. David, why is he Bugs Bunny? Like, why is your <laughs> no, Dave that, Grohl Bugs Bunny? That, no, every interview he's always chewing gum. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like super, that's a Dave Grohl. Yeah. Uh, so the difference is Bugs Bunny <laughs> is very quick. So he's got a carrot. So he's going, eh, what's up, Doc? Okay. So wow. That was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At number 37, they're back. Once again, it's the Foo Fighters with This Is A Call.
Hotters in at number 37 in the 1995 Hottest 100. This is a call and this is an art attack. No, no, this is Adam Buncher. <laughs> All right, so we have talked about the Foo Fighters once before, but this song is the real starting point. That was just kind of like a weird kind of prologue bit, we could say. But this is this is the start of the Foo Fighters. This is the first song that Dave Grohl wrote outside of Nirvana, whereas a lot of other ones in the first album he was kind of composing while he was a part of that band. But this is like the clean break, the first start, the actual beginning of the Foo Fighters well and proper. And you know what? It sounds like it. It does. First, it? first song, first album as well. First song, one, first album. Yup. It could not sound any more like the genesis of the Foo Fighters than it does. It's so perfect for that. And for that reason, I think the real value of this song is not discovering it in 1995, but it's knowing the Foo Fighters and then coming back. Like, I'm really glad that I didn't listen to the Foo Fighters' first album until I was already intimately familiar with Monkey a large Ranch. degree of their other discography. Um, that I'd seen them, or, you know, already be the monstrously huge commercial power rock band that they are and then I went back to this and it's just kind of like the reward of it is the sentimentality that you imbue it with knowing that this is where the Foo Fighters start yeah uh, to me like that's that's it that's the song there's not a huge amount else to talk about there apart from that aside from the fact it's a very well constructed very lean very pop savvy Foo Fighters song where they it's just what they do everything that they're good at yeah it's yep, so that's it. it's amazing how like because it's easy and fun to make fun of Dave Grohl in 2016 um, but it is easy. <laughs> just ask yeah. just ask DJ why. Hey man, fuck yeah man. Again, it's easy and fun. But <laughs> it's rem- but like it's but having said that, dude obviously knows how to construct a great pop rock song. Yeah, it's amazing. From day one, he yeah. knew exactly what he was gonna do, and he did it well. Because this song is a lot of fun to listen to. It's like trying to think of how to like critique it. It reminds me in um in Parks and Recreation when Andy talks about what kind of genre, what kind of music he plays, and he goes, it's rock and roll, my friend. Smooth, handsome, sexy rock. <laughs> I'm like, Dave Grohl, that's what you write with the Foo Fighters, and you did it from the first song on the first album. It's just, yeah, it's balls out, masculine rock done by a dude with a beard. Yep, <laughs> that's what this sounds like. But what you do get, I think, that you don't get in the rest of the Foo Fighters stuff is that little bit of fear. And you can hear it a little bit. Yeah, we, talked, like, we talked about this before. When Dave first started out with the Foo Fighters, he was nervous as hell. Mm, and yeah. he was. And look, maybe he's played that up because it's incredibly endearing as a narrative. But I'm willing to indulge it. I'm willing to say, I love the idea of Dave Grohl going like, shit, I'm on my own now. I've got the passion for this. I, I think I know what makes a good song. But I'm, you know, he's tracking everything himself. Yeah, he's, and he's not voice used to being a singer, you yeah, know? His voice isn't the highest thing in the mix. Like, no it's one's not told like, him he's the best yet. Which that's just means it. that he that's doesn't. It. Yeah. yeah. And, no one's and told that's him what you the hear. Best, the best, the best. <laughs> good. But oh. it's great. You get you, you get the like those beautiful Foo Fighters soaring vocals that do the really nice chorus hooks. You like the riffs are great. The the rhythm section is tight. There's oh, a really the nice breakdown. Oof. It's like the whole song it, it's so lean, like lean. you said, but it's just it's tight. Everything works. Yeah, it's just great. This is such a like you know, you get that album, you play the first track, you like the sound of that. Well, you're going to have a pretty good, like, following 20 years. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Uh, recently, I was on a car trip with my brother, and we were just like, oh, we've, what have we gotten, like, going through Spotify and shit? It's just like, should we put on Foo Fighters Greatest Hits? And we're just like, oh, God, should we? Oh, I don't know. Like, we're kind of over Foo Fighters. Let me put it on. It's just like, fuck, all these songs are great. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a car with your brother, yeah. Foo Fighters Greatest yeah, Hits, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a recipe for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we played the whole thing. I was just like, we're one step away from perfection. And then I put on Generator. Because it's not on the greatest hits. Oh, there it is. Oh, How so is that... Generator not on I the know, greatest right? hits? I know, right? That is one of their best songs, easily. Jeez. But this is also one of their best songs. I saw the Foo Fighters last year, and one of the highlights of the entire show, because it was a fucking slog to get through, was... <laughs> it seriously was, man. It was it just long? It, well, he oh. just Between every song, he spends five minutes talking about how they're not going to talk between songs because this is rock and roll. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, dude. Like, <laughs> it's rock and roll, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, if he can't hit a note, he'll just go, Aah! like that. He'll just scream, which is great because that never gets old. Yeah, it, it, it's great the first time. <laughs> so it's like, the it's best, not true. It's the okay best, the first Aah! time. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> And then, he'll, and then he'll run from one side of the stage to the other. And it's a really big stage. <laughs> you know, the Foo Fighters. I've always, I've always felt that they've needed just way more strained all rights. Yeah. <laughs> all right. They're Come on. Of, they're one of the first bands I saw live, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Foo go. Fighters when, uh, off the back of the uh, In Your Honor tour. Oh. Uh, at uh, at the stadium that they played at that time was oh did th- was that at the was that at uh, Olympic knows? Park out in the arena there uh, probably you know but at that stage I was just a country kid so I would I didn't even know where I was going just and I couldn't even I didn't even go. Born and raised it. Born and raised in South Bowrell. <laughs> <laughs> And he probably did have to catch the midnight train. train. <laughs> yes! Yes! Poor Adam. It's writing my story for me. Oh, my Lord. It's been written. Yes, apparently. It, it's it's cool that they still play stuff off this record. I love this track. Uh, it's got, yeah, fucking great energy to it. And, you know, it's catchy as shit. You know, lyrics are dumb, but of course they are. Um, you know, it's you know we've talked about dumb lyrics in the past. They're not even that dumb. They were. Fingernails are pretty. Fingernails are good. Fingernails are fine. There's enough There's enough in that that it lets you engage with it imaginatively. And mm-hmm. it's it, like... The lyrics are simple, but they're not shallow. Like, there's, you're like, cool, there's more I can go with that. Yeah. Which is yeah. good. Are fingernails good? You are left a question? Yeah. Would you rather not have them? <laughs> like, <laughs> mm. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I, look, I'm glad that we have them now because, I mean, certain things have, have like, they're there because we have fingernails. Like, pull, pull tabs <laughs> on cans. I mean, we'd be stuffed if we all of a sudden woke up without fingernails. I use a key because I bite my fingernails too much. So I, I, I have to get a key to wedge up any pool time on a can. Apart from... The, well, yeah, perfect. maybe... Well, maybe you'll be like, fine. Since apart from the well, invention well, of keys, yeah. we, you know, we could well, do away with fingernails. Or like the well-designed Japanese cans that have an obvious finger divot. Do we need fingernails? Let us know. Uh, hit us up. Yeah. I, I, I know it's cliche of your capital city. Yeah, I, know, I know it's cliche to talk about Japanese can design when discussing the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Oh, I was just not going to bring it up, man. It's just been done. You know? <laughs> <sighs> oh, well. All right! At number 36, it's tricky with black steel. I mean, do we do we want to make the gag? Sure. I, 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 we don't someone have to. Ha- no, someone has to. Wait, wait. gag? It's tricky to rock oh, yeah. around, to rock around. It's yeah. our time is tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 I mean, that's totally it. It's out of the way now. <laughs> yeah. I got a letter from the government the other day. Opened it and read it. It said they were suckers. They wanted me for the army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here is a land that never gave a damn about a brother like myself. Because I never 
kit number 36 in the 1995 Hottest One Hunt with Black Steel. And I'm going to send this letter over to Nathan Harrison. It says terrible things about you, DJ. I know it yeah. does. It says you're a sucker. Fuck! Because <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you think of Public Enemy, out of the four of us, you think of Mr. Nathan Harrison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, with all the drug taking, yeah. <laughs> you're a Public Enemy. Um, so I I feel like an idiot for never, have, never having heard this song before. Am I an idiot for never having, no. never having heard? If no. you're an idiot, I'm an idiot. I'd never heard this either. And yeah, Andrew's right. an okay. idiot. I knew okay. Tricky was, but yeah. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, I only knew him... When I saw his picture on Wikipedia, I went, holy shit, it's the dude from The Fifth Element. Because oh. <laughs> it is. It's him. Oh my it's him. God. Oh, my God. That's the guy from The Fifth Element. I saw it. I knew it the guy from The Fifth Element. Chris Tucker. <laughs> 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 Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Come in, come in, my man. Uh, I, I'm glad that I feel vindicated. Like, I feel yeah. a bit better about Because this, I mean, I'm going to get more into this in a second. This song is amazing. Mm. The album it comes from is amazing. This was anime's best album of 1995, Max and Quay. It's like, Uh. which is why I was just like, oh, I I feel like maybe I was meant to have heard this, but this song, oh my God. I love this. This is like, this is best new discovery for the, like, of me for the podcast for a while. BM. Yeah, yeah, be, be in, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I listened to this and the first thing I did was grab the album. I listened to the album coming in this morning and it was it was all right fantastic. On, man. This song is just so good. Tricky's production is is fantastic and the way he builds the whole song around like his beats and the work of FTV, which is the kind of, it's, it's a band he got in, which is just guitar and drums. So that's kind of like, they refer to themselves as like a techno band. So that's the kind of more digital Band elements in the song, sure, but yep. then Martina Topley Bird's vocals, which yeah. is like, oh my uh, god, did it in one take? Oh, no way. Of course, of course she, did. she did. Of course she did. She did, she did all oh of the god. all of the of the uh, vocals on Max and Equa in one take. Yeah, right. There you just go. So in. he did one coming by for ten minutes. Oh, I do it in five. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he he just like there's a beautiful story of him finding her. She was just like near his house, leaning yeah. up against the wall, singing. And he was looking for a female vocalist to collaborate with because he was like, I want a female vocalist to mm. do my rhymes because I think that will bring them a lot more emotional depth. And he's totally right. Um, and he was like, yep, you're you're exactly what I'm looking for. Like, let's make this album. And then they were romantically involved as well, which I'm sure wasn't messy at all, but whatever. And they had a baby. Yay. Are they still together? I didn't check. No. I'm sure they're not. <laughs> he went out with Bjork for a while. Huh. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but this song, it's just so good. Like, And, and at, at the center of the song is Martina's like, incredible vocal performance but there's so much going on and I think it's a credit to his production that it doesn't feel crowded I think Mm. it's a really really elegantly produced song in that it moves through all of these different phases of the song but they all fit together so well Um, obviously credit to to Public Enemy and Chuck D for the lyrics which are great and like yeah and it's just like I mean I'm I'm not intimately familiar with the original song like I know it and I went back and listened to it after this but yeah Yeah, it's also worth just revisiting that like I got a letter from the government and it's, I opened it. They said they were suckers. Is a great deal. Yeah. Because why was the government sending that letter? They shouldn't yeah. be. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the kind of emails I assume Hillary is trying to keep where she's just calling herself a sucker. <laughs> but they got leaked. If Everyone if, knows if this now. comes out, it will ruin me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually think once when the guitar comes, when it starts off, it's spectacular. When the guitar comes in, it actually does sound a bit crowded for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, because like, when it was first going, I was like, because I, I was listening to it, and I was like, 
it started, I'm like, holy shit, is this a fucking public enemy cover? And then we're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, yeah. And then once the guitar came in, I was like, oh, I hope it goes away. And then it didn't. And then, yeah. It goes away for what? some. Like, no, the guitar is I, like, the, the guitar's the heart. I know, I mean, the one already. Martina yeah, is the heart. It, it is the pie of this song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like. Yeah, I. Oh, that's a shame. I, I mean, know. I, love I, the I, full I can band see. I can see how you get to that. Sick. But, oh no. I see how you get to that, but I, yeah, I, I, mm. I was on board for it. Um, just because it comes in with the drums so well, and I, I think that, that to me it just creates a really nice texture that you just kind of get lost in. It's it's l- less overwhelming and more kind of enveloping. Like mm. I just I just want to be like buzzed and in like a a house party where there's just graffiti all over the walls and someone's dropping this. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of like. You can't see what I'm doing, but I've got my hands up. <laughs> uh, bar- we, we knew. Yeah. We need to make this podcast closed caption. <laughs> we need to make a, a vodcast, I think is the term used. Uh, well, I think once the guitar came in, it sounded more straightforward and like as a song. I liked sure. it. it didn't sound like it to begin with, so it's like an aw- weird, awkward trip-hop thing. Yeah. yeah, well, I found it very interesting because I was expecting, knowing that Tricky came from hanging out in Bristol at the same time with He was Massive an early Attack collaborator with Massive collaborator. Attack. Oh, was he? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So when he came out when he came out with this, this when you press play and this is what came out, I, I was a bit uh, taken aback by it because I expected, you know, a bit more, something a bit slower, a bit more mm. kind of trippier. But I kind of like the direction that he's taking and I like this as an example of trip-hop and it shows that it was quite a varied genre in the beginning in its yeah, inception. I mean, well, that's the thing, because like it, it's so early in, you know, quote-unquote trip-hop. Like it's, yeah. it's before trip-hop has really been established as the kind of codified thing that it is now. If a song comes out now and it's trip-hop, it follows, it yep. follows a formula. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, that's not a terrible thing in itself, but it's, you know, it's limiting or whatever. But, but at interesting this point, is... like, he's clearly still working in the same in the same field, but he's just doing very different things yeah. than other artists are doing, which is great. Just on the public enemy thing as well, I think it's so significant. The lyrics are great in, in isolation and whatever, and they work with the song, but there's, you can't reference public enemy without it being a statement. Like, you mm. can't take lyrics from public enemy and put public enemy inside your song and not have that in some way be at least a little political because that you can't that that's just what public yeah. enemy are and so i think like it kind of occurred to me in kind of my more recent listens that that's kind of what's going on there that just just by having that as a as an influence as a reference as something at play in this song it's, but, it's well, saying it's far more than, than a reference like it, yeah. it is a cover yeah but no that's yeah. it like, well i mean yeah but i mean like a, a lyrical touch point and and you know that mm. but that again this is thing. pop music in um post thatcher britain like yeah, it's it's a big thing. Like, yeah, this is yeah. this is part of a like a, a landscape of songs that are are making arguments like this, and that's really good. Yeah, because the original was quite a few years earlier, right? Well, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, the golden age of the golden age of hip hop. Yeah, the golden it, it's, year. It's from um nation. Yeah, nation of millions. Uh yeah, t- yeah, 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 yeah. This was fresh for the three of us, but uh, Mr. Music Library of Alexandria over oh. here. Did, no, it was fresh to him as well. Was it? Sorry, did you say it was fresh to you? Yeah, well, I, I knew who Tricky was, obviously, sure. but I didn't. I hadn't heard that song. That's that's cool, and that's really exciting. I just. <laughs> I just assume oh, you know everything. Four. Oh, oh, certified, so fresh, and a good song. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's, been, there's been freshies that we've all fucking heard and hated. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Let's it's let's so smoke fresh, some pot was fresh. All but... summer sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> let's smoke some pot was yeah, fresh, yeah. but that was oh. you know, that was. Would dank. you call that fresh? <laughs> Yeah. I'd, I'd say pretty, pretty stale roach yeah, right well, yeah. Suitably the opposite of fresh. Dank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a stale roach on the wall. <laughs> roach, Holy weed. Shit. 
it works on so many levels. Shit. Shit, goddamn. So people who have heard Tricky apart from this song, Tricky's good, yeah? The album was good, Nathan? The album's fantastic. He's a good guy, David. um, Fittingly, uh, one of the tracks is uh, basically just Glory Box, um, but with a whole bunch of other production and uh, and a rap from... I think from him and Martina over the top of it, and it's it's great. So he uh, raps himself. He, yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's but she is yeah. the main he's vocalist for the album. Track. The album's yeah. fantastic. Definitely. Like I'm gonna right, like I listened very... to it this morning. Gonna go back to it because cool. it was great. Can we talk about the YouTube comments? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. There's easily another podcast of this where instead of we talking about the, the songs, YouTube we just comments go of every YouTube song. Say, yeah, oh fucking god. hell. We are pretty much YouTube comments ourselves, <laughs> but like, holy shit! Yeah, the one in question, it was like it, it, it's making a good point. So <laughs> the comment is. This is so black in a great respectful way. You can tell it's a black person's perspective right away without having to be Nikolai Tesla or something. <laughs> Strong identity, great cover, greater song. Hail Tricky. You don't even have to be Nikolai Tesla. Famed, you really fa- don't. Famed racial identifier, <laughs> yeah. Nikolai, Nikolai Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> and then, and then I went. I like. I was. I was talking to Nathan about this last night. I actually started to Google was Nikolai Tesla good at identifying races. Well, I- but but it stopped me halfway because I, the autofill on Google was Nikolai Tesla good at electricity. <laughs> And it's like, yes, I'm, done. I'm out. I don't need to. Uh, it's fine, Google. Uh, Deej, did you did you enjoy this song? Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, you did. Yeah, you, <laughs> you did. did. Yeah. Uh, of course I did. I'm DJ One. I like everything. Um, <laughs> oh, I like music. I'm a sucker. <laughs> I'm the biggest sucker in this fucking room. Holy shit. Look, man, I think this fucking bangs. Like, I love the mix of live instrumentation and the beats and stuff like that. I love, like, the incessant repeating of, like, the main, like, set of lyrics and how it just kind of builds and builds and builds. Like, I didn't... I uh, This goes for, like, five and a half minutes. It could go for longer. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I, uh, it's one of those songs that I feel, like, much similar to Mr. Bombastic. Could work on an infinite <laughs> loop. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be okay I'm sure it's not that. the first time these two songs have been paired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, come to one of my DJ sets and I will uh I'll make the magic happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my set list is pretty much just those two songs, The Dolphins Cry and Boom Shakalak. <laughs> <laughs> um I think it's worth noting some of Tricky's past work um at this point because he actually skirts really closely to our to the podcast a lot. Oh. Um so he was an early collaborator with Massive Attack, who we yes. talked about earlier this Tick. season. Um, and then he left because he wanted, he was, I don't want to work in a group anymore. I want to do my own thing. And I particularly want to find a female vocalist. Not that Massive Attack didn't also do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he did that after a couple of um, remixes of Bomb the Bass tracks, which we talked about. Oh. Uh, Bug Powder Dust was number 13 last season. Yeah. Um, he was asked to co-produce uh, the album Buffalo Stance by Nina Cherry. Hey. We also hey. talked about. Um, and he's also worked Sex with Depeche schools, Mode, baby. who we talked about back in season one. Who? Depeche. Depeche. Oh, Depeche. yeah. Uh, he's done so Depeche much stuff. Mure. And as a, as a note of personal interest, uh, Robert Smith asked him to mix all of the singles from the greatest album of all time, Disintegration. No way. Yeah. Wow. And he, and he, and he did. And he did. Yeah. Oh, um, son. Yeah. That's great because the single cut of Pickers of You features an element which is not on the studio, which is so good that they've been using it in live sets ever since. It's tricky. <laughs> son. I love tricky. All hail tricky. <laughs> Do you know how to Tesla? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to FBI Radio for having us once again. Good app. Yeah. Fucking top one ups. A, top one of 40, best. hey? One of the best. Yeah. One of the it's best. been due. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's be frank. The, uh, the, the countdown has been due. Some, I mean, we've had some it's been real. Back. It's been fucking real. Um, Christ. Uh, favorite, I'm probably going to go Pulp. And I don't want to pick a least favorite. This sucks. Probably tricky. Uh, Buncha, what do you got? I'm going to go Pulp. Yeah. Uh, for my favorite. Um, and look, I'm going to have to give it to Alanis Morissette as my least favourite, simply because... It's your fifth best favourite. Well, yeah, because there was the least to discover from it. It's kind of the most iconic in a way. It's the most saturated, and so... It, it needs your vote the least. It does. Yeah. It doesn't need me to like it. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm going to... Uh, but you still do. I'm going to slide do. with David here, favourite pulp, less favourite tricky. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Tricky the favorite just for the discovery points nice. um, as much as also yeah, obviously pol- and yeah um but uh, Primus for least favorite again fifth best yeah. like it's fine good work team yeah fucking a good work 1995 hell yeah. good work everyone who was there 40. and who voted this is why top forty is such a big thing <laughs> keep up the good work 1995 you are doing a please great keep up job the good work. This is please so much don't better. don't don't ruin this by you know throwing back to 1994 or anything yeah. like that that'd just be fucked what a weird thing to say David <laughs> we'll see you next week dude yeah. until then <laughs> on behalf. Of Mr. Nathan Harrison. It's tricky. Hell yeah. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. It's tricky. And on behalf of Mr. Adam Butcher. I don't think it's that tricky. <laughs> I kind of do. My name is David James Young. Keep music tricky. So you tell me go to win and boom.